It's quite ironic, really, that the prophet Isaiah tells the people on God's behalf that they should uh, forget the former things, to not dwell on what has happened in the past, while at the same time reminding them of things that has happened in the past. I don't know if you caught on to that or not, but uh, that passage starts with the prophet saying, remember this, remember that, and then saying, well, forget all of that. I'm about to do a new thing. No prophet would ever suggest a loss of memory. It is because of our memory that we are able to remember who God is. If we had no memory, we would not have any knowledge of God. And so, that uh, suggestion that we forget the things of old and not to dwell on the things of past, it has to mean something slightly different than just forget about it. Maybe in some way God is using Isaiah to tell the people, yes, those things have happened, but you really need to be bracing yourself for this new thing. Speaking of the past, I'll share with you a little bit of my call story. I feel like that's an important thing to do. Amber and I left our home in Pulaski, Virginia in, in 2011 to go to Durham to the Duke Divinity School for what they called Student Pastor Day. As a, a, a young family with three small children, it was necessary uh, for me to be able to, to preach, to have a student pastor appointment, to be able to financially support our very small, uh, and two of them were in diapers, uh, family, right? And so we go to this student pastor day, and for those of you who are familiar with Methodism, you know who a district superintendent is. Uh, Helen's nodding her head, yes, she knows. Yes, uh, a district superintendent is kind of like the boss of a geographical uh, region uh, for United Methodist. And so at Student Pastor Day, we interview with several different uh, district superintendents. I went into this one interview, and I walked in, and the district superintendent was sitting at, at a grand piano, and he was just playing this haunting tune. When I say haunting, I mean it was scary stuff. You know, I was instantly intimidated. But then he spun around and he stuck out his hand and he says, hello, my name is Chuck Cook. And Chuck Cook was the district superintendent of the Goldsboro District at the time. And we proceeded to have a conversation with one another, a conversation in which Chuck Cook asked me several questions about the church and about United Methodism. And out of those several questions that Chuck asked me, I got absolutely none of them right. Every one of them. Completely wrong. I know because Chuck Cook told me that I was wrong. And so I walked out of that, that, that interview and I was dejected. And I went and I found Amber and I said, Amber, there's one person we will never, ever have to worry about calling us. Chuck Cook. About a month later, the phone rang and the voice on the other side said, Hello, Jabe, this is Chuck Cook. He said, We have uh, two churches in Johnston County that need a pastor, and I believe that you are the right one. And I said, all right, sounds good. I got off, and I mean, I was giddy. I was uh, literally jumping up and down. I said, God, thanks so much of me that God wants to give me two churches, not just one, but two churches. Not only does God want to give me two churches, but so does Chuck Cook. They really think a lot of me. Well, some more time goes by, another month or so, and then the phone rings and the voice on the other side is not Chuck Cook, but it's a pastor from Durham who says, Hello, Jabe. 
I just got the list of all those who went to student pastor day who did not get a church. And your name is on that list. And I was wondering if you would like to interview for a youth pastor position. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you know Chuck Cook? Because Chuck Cook told me I have not only one, but two churches, Johnston County. He said, buddy, I don't know anything about that. Your name's on my list. So I hung up with that man, and who do you think I called? Chuck Cook. And I called Chuck Cook, and I said, Chuck, what's the deal? He told me I had two churches. Now this other man told me I have zero churches. What's wrong? Chuck says, Jay, calm down. He says, trust God. He said, we trust God. And I thought to myself, I trust God. But Chuck Cook, (laughs) maybe not so much. We hung up the phone that day, and, and sure enough, some more time went by, and the phone rang again, and it was, it was you-know-who, Chuck Cook. And Chuck said, Jabe, it's official. You're going to go to Face in North Carolina, where you're going to be the pastor of Face United Methodist Church. We'll meet you on Tuesday, and we'll go there and have a meal, and you'll get to know the good people of Face. And, All right, we'll see you then. I hung up the phone, and I was giddy. I was still jumping up and down happy, but I said, where in the world is facing? It's not Johnston County, and it's only one church. (laughs) But you know what? For our family, and for me pastorally, for 10 years, it was the right church. It took God some time, but God got it right. God got it right. For 10 years, it was right. Just as for nine years, this was the right church for the Reverend David Bean. It was right. And we must acknowledge the pain and the grief that many of us have felt since we found out that this transition was going to happen. I know tears have been shed here, and a lot of tears have been shed in our home, and a lot of tears have been shed in the place called Facing. It has been a strange time of grief, but at the same time, a time of hope, a time of hopeful anticipation, but still grief. For you, for facing, for the beams, and for the largens. But with that said, in the words of my old friend Chuck Cook, we trust God. You hear me? We trust God. Ironically, this year, our family was told that we were going to be going to another church, nowhere near here. 
We had had this knowledge for weeks. Was given a phone call on a Friday and said, okay, it's now 100% official. You are going to X church and X community where you will be the pastor. It's official. You will announce it on Sunday. That's the phone call I got on Friday. Announce it on Sunday. Amber and I were excited. We found a, a rental home. And after we got off the phone, immediately we contact uh, the, the, the broker for the, the realty, uh, for the, 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 the property. And we sent them over $4,000 deposit, first month's rent. Here we go. Like I said, that was on Friday before the Sunday that we announced. What do you think happened on Saturday? It wasn't Chuck Cook this time. It wasn't Chuck Cook this time, but it was somebody a whole lot like Chuck Cook who called and said, Jabe, we actually believe that God really wants you in Pinehurst. And my golfer's heart said, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him. <laughs> Sometimes in life your change gets changed. Sometimes in life your change gets changed. One of the sure things in life is the reality that seldom is change easy. Very seldom is it easy. But oftentimes it is good, even if we don't see the good so clearly when we first find out about the change. Change can be good, and change can be beautiful. And the reason why change can be both good and beautiful is because it is God, our good and beautiful God, who seems to really love change. One of the defining characteristics that we see about God revealed to us in the scriptures is God's love for change. God's love for, for making things new. God's love for, as, as Pastor Katie put it a few weeks ago, interrupting the status quo. God's in that business. God has a long-standing history of doing such things. Change. Newness. When the sin of humanity became so great that, that, that God couldn't bear it as it was anymore, God told Noah, a change is about to occur. Be prepared. Here comes a flood. When Abraham and Sarah were well, well settled in their community and with their land, God said, it's time to move. When Moses was comfortable in his life of Egyptian luxury, God said, I got something for you to do. It's time to be uncomfortable. When the people of God, the Israelites, failed to live up to the standards of the covenant that they had with God, God said, you're not going to like this, but I got a change for you to exile you go. And at the appropriate time, God rescued God's people once again. But change remained a constant. Over and over, again and again, change after change after change. God loves some change. God loves some new. 
and in the fullness of time, God sent Jesus, an Israelite born of a woman, to change things once again. This time, it wasn't a flood, but God's source of living water. With Jesus, everything changed. And with the Spirit of God still present in the world, everything keeps changing. Long ago, God put in, into works this process by which all things will be made new. All things will change. All things will be made new. This, this process. And some of the changes already happened. But there's still more to come. And I don't know exactly where we are on the timeline. I don't know where we are on God's timeline of all these things being made new. But I can say with certainty that I am glad that we get to experience this newness and this change together. Our God who loves making things new. Our God who we trust, says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I look forward to perceiving it together, family. And yes, I believe that God got it right again.